DW Africa Link. It's the last day of the month of October and we are ready to serve you with the news making headlines from Africa and beyond. For those of you following, it's also Halloween, I guess. So happy Halloween, Josie. Oh, thank you. Hello and welcome to Africa Link with me, Eddie Micah Jr. And your host, Josie Mahachi. We are reaching you right from our studios here in Bonn, Germany and live on our Facebook page, DW Africa coming up on your program. From Nigeria to Ghana, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is wrapping up his official visits to West Africa. We look at what came out of these trips. We do not need a Western savior. Ideas exist on the continent and need to be developed and given the stage and opportunity to flourish. One of the main aspects for cooperation will be developing economy and using the economic opportunities of your country. Meanwhile, German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier is also on an official trip to Tanzania in East Africa. Both countries are ready to shape the future and to learn from each other and to work together. And I think that this visit of President Steinmeier could be the start of a new chapter in the relation. Right. The details are coming up after the World News in Brief. DW News. And I am Mike Luti. Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz is seeking to strengthen relations with Sub-Saharan Africa. In his latest trip to Ghana, Chancellor Scholz highlighted a strong partnership between Ghana and Germany. Here is DW's senior international correspondent Richard Walker. Olaf Scholz has really been prioritizing boosting relations with the global south and particularly with sub-Saharan Africa. I think he has the feeling that Germany prioritized relationships with Europe and the United States and China perhaps too much in the past and wasn't looking uh, beyond those particular regions. It needs to diversify its diplomatic relationships and its business relationships. So that's where this trip to Ghana comes in. Schultz is stressing really good relations with Ghana already um, and the seventh time that he and President Akufo Addo have met uh, during his chancellorship. Tanzania's President Samia Suluhu Hassan says her country is ready to address Germany's colonial past. President Suluhu Hassan said there are families waiting for the bones of their beloved ancestors that are in different museums in Germany. Suluhu Hassan made a remarks today during a meeting with German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier in Dar es Salaam. More on this story on Africa Link. A U.S. couple previously charged in Uganda with aggravated torture and child trafficking have pleaded guilty on Tuesday to lesser charges and will now pay a range of fines of up to 105 million shillings or $28,000. Nicholas Spencer and his wife Mackenzie Matthias Spencer both in their early 30s and from South Carolina, were detained in December for cruelty against a 10-year-old boy they had fostered in Kampala. High Court Judge Ales Kiyomuhangi said on Tuesday that because of a plea bargain with prosecutors, the defendants agreed to charges of inflicting cruel, inhumane and degrading treatment for which they have been fined. This news is from Deutsche Welle, Germany's international public broadcaster. The Israeli military says it has killed a senior Hamas commander responsible for the October 7 terrorist attacks. The Israel Defense Forces released footage which appears to show an airstrike on what they believe is Hamas terrorist Nassim Abu Ajina. Meanwhile, the United Nations confirms that 3,000 children have been killed in Gaza. The head of its relief agency, 
says the unfolding humanitarian tragedy is unbearable. The fate of hundreds of thousands of Afghans living in Pakistan is hanging in the balance. The Pakistani government has set a deadline for November 1st for all undocumented migrants to leave or face deportation. The interior minister says refugees will not face refugees, in fact, will not be sent home. There are 1.7 million Afghan migrants living in Pakistan without legal status. And finally, Saudi Arabia is on track to host the 2034 Men's Football World Cup. Australia has pulled out of the bidding, making Saudi Arabia the only candidate to become host nation. Campaigners say the Saudi government is using heavy investment in football as so-called sports washing to divert attention from humanitarian rights violations. And now you are up to date with me, Michael Lutti. For more news, visit our website on dw.com or download our mobile app. Thanks, OT, and to you also for tuning into the program. This is DW's Africa Link coming to you from Bonn, Germany. My name is Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Welcome to you, those of you tuning through Facebook page DW Africa. We welcome comments on the stories we are covering. Now, our top story is... Let's get right to it. African countries are playing host to world leaders this week. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has been visiting Nigeria and Ghana as he seeks to deepen Germany's influence on the African continent. That's right. His visits have largely been focused on economic ties, migration policies, and encouraging German businesses to invest in these two countries. Isaac Alegi in Accra gives us a wrap-up of the Chancellor's visits to West Africa. Chancellor Olaf Scholz's first destination for this two-nation visit to sub-Saharan Africa was Nigeria. This is his third visit to Africa in two years, and the focus this time is to deepen economic ties. Nigeria has a struggling economy and is seeking to woo investors to its mining sector, which has long been underdeveloped for decades. Chancellor Scholz stressed Germany's willingness to invest in Africa's largest economy. One of the main aspects for cooperation will be uh, developing economy and using the economic opportunities of your country. As you already said, there are a lot of uh, chances, not just from gas and oil, which is uh, traditionally linked to your country, but where there is a lot of room for improvement and for better using the capacities. Nigerian President Bola Tinobu believes Germany can help Nigeria explore ways of exporting energy to Europe. The LNG also to facilitate the shipment of liquefied gas to Europe is well discussed and in advance. We have an eye on this. Chancellor Schulz also met the president of the ECOWAS Commission and expressed concerns about the recent trend of coups in West Africa. In Ghana, Schulz also held bilateral talks with Ghana's president, Nanekufu Ado. Discussions centered around expanding economic relations in the fields of energy, agriculture, and digitalization. But the highlights of his visit to Ghana was a meeting with some university students. 
Interactions between the Chancellor and the students focused on the potential of Africa and why young people are key to the progress of the continent. One of the students, Valerie Akon, had this message for the Chancellor and Germany. Now, as we keep discussing this future of Africa, I'd like to draw on Germany's role in this. External powers tend to forget that endogenous solutions already exist on the continent. We do not need a Western savior. Ideas exist on the continent and need to be developed and given the stage and opportunity to flourish. And the chancellor agreed and backed the need for Africa to own its own growth. And my view is that the most important aspect of the three statements we heard this morning is that there is a chance to do it by yourself with the things, the talents and the techniques you are developing in Africa yourself. And I think this is something that should be mentioned. International affairs analyst Paul Njime said Germany stands to gain more with Shaw's visit to the two countries. No country in the south is the north will just go and dump their money and put there because uh, uh, investment follows uh, stability and then it follows uh, 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 what do you call it uh, 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 interest. It follows um, um, gain. Because there is, if you don't have any gain, the returns on investment were not there. You shouldn't go there. Chancellor Scholz participated in a security forum before departing Accra for Germany. Thanks, Isaac Kalechi, for that report. And we have some comments on that particular story, don't we, Eddie? Yeah, we definitely do. Nyakbeya Vector says it means Germany wants cheap oil and gas as alternatives to Russia. Germany wants to shortchange Nigeria. Wow, that's a very okay. half glass <laughs> way of looking at it. And Lamin Sisei says, I wonder why they are desperately looking forward to do trade with African nations when they have no black German policy at back of their net. Well, I guess uh, we, people are hoping for a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's up to uh, the African governments uh, to to make sure that that is exactly the case. Keep those comments coming through on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Now, while Olaf Scholz is doing business in the west of Africa, another German leader is doing business in the east of Africa. German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier is currently in Tanzania. Now, both governments have maintained good cooperation with each other for 60 years. Now, in a meeting with President Samia Suluhu Hassan in Dar es Salaam earlier on Tuesday, she described the German government as a, in quotes, reliable friend and partner. But she also highlighted the potential growth in areas such as trade and investments. That's right. DW's uh, Katarina Kroll is covering the German leader's visit to Tanzania. She told me more about the timing and importance of the trip. Africa is becoming more and more important as a continent for Germany. And Africa is also becoming more of a focus because Germany wants to be, become more multipolar. Tanzania already gets 80% of its energy from re- renewable sources other than Germany, for example. Germany is still a long way to go and there both sides can learn from each other and can cooperate more and uh, in a deeper way. And here in Dar es Salaam, the German entrepreneurs and politicians meet other companies. They want to uh, intensify their relations and expanding uh, their relations in fields of science, of culture and tourism. That is what the Tanzanian president also emphasized. One of the key topics was also colonialism and how to deal with the past. As we know, Germany 
you know, once upon a time, colonized Tanzania. Tell us more about how that discussion went. The two presidents, they have agreed that they will work together to deal with the atrocities of the German colonial area. Um, There will be official negotiation in the next time. The families of the victims, for example, of the Guju Maji Maji War, they hope that the human remains which were taken to Germany and are now stored in German museums, that they were brought back to Tanzania. And the German president here made it very clear um, at the press conference that Germany is ready to return all human remains and artifacts. And this has to be dealt in the near future. And on Wednesday, tomorrow, President Steinmeier will travel to Zongia to meet the relatives of the victims. And this will certainly be a very emotional and, and important moment both for Germany and for Tanzania. And another goal is, that is what the German president made clear here, that also for the Germans, it is necessary to learn more about their own past in the former German East Africa. Okay, right. Interesting there. Um, quick, Quick one on this before you go. So how important is the future of the relationship between Tanzania and Germany? Why does it matter? Well, Germany and Tanzania, they have a long common history, and the country has a lot in common. And the dark past should be dealt with, but both countries are ready to shape the future and to learn from each other and to work together. And I think that this visit of President Steinmeier could be the start of a new chapter in the relation. DW's Kathleen in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Now we ask the question, what do you have to say about President Samia Sulu Hassan emphasizing a country's readiness to address Germany's colonial past? Timo Mbong says the fact that they kept it till 2023 means a lot. There is no relationship to build here. Mm. Mm. Well, Chariot says, uh, you're from Kenya. You're wanting Tanzanian, uh, Tanzanians, I should say, not to copy-paste from the Kenyans because the talks or not bear fruits. Well, thanks a lot for those comments. Uh, whether talks will bear fruits or not, uh, you know, depends on the leaders and, and you know, how they take the messages mm-hmm. and what deals they strike. So it, it's not one-sided. It's a, It should be mutually, Mutual, yeah. you know, discussed and see where it goes. Thanks a lot for those comments. Uh, keep them coming through on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Thanks for staying with us. If you just joined us, this is CW's Africa Link, and I am Eddie Micah Jr. And mine is Josie Mahachi, and that of our Facebook page is DW Africa. Like and follow the page, but most importantly, comment on the stories we are covering. Your input, rather, is truly valued. A reminder of our top story, German Chancellor Scholz wraps up Nigeria-Ghana visit. That's right. And still to come on the show, it's one year since the end of the Tigray War, but the region still battles from a humanitarian crisis. I did what I had to do, but now all of us here, including me, have become disabled. We have a lot of demands and needs. 
That story will be back shortly, but for now we head to Malawi to mitigate the impact of the Russia-Ukraine conflict on grain imports like wheat. The country has made its first successful large-scale harvest of wheat. This comes after years of attempts to find a variety of grains suitable for the Malawian soil. Soil. Four varieties of wheat have been declared suitable for its soil out of 80 varieties which had been on trial since 2019. Mm, So the great thing about the four piloted wheat varieties is that they have already proven to be viable Mm. for mass production in every district of Malawi. That's according to President Lazarus Chakwera, who attended the harvest event in Doha District, central region of Malawi. For more on this, here's George Mango from Blantyre. Four varieties of wheat have been declared suitable for the Malawian soil out of 80 varieties. Certification of the varieties follows the first large-scale harvest of the grain. Experiments and trials started in 2019 to ascertain rightful seeds. It is now on record that seven metric tons are poised to be harvested on a hectare within three months. Whatever was harvested last week is now meant for planting by farmers between now and winter on 15,000 hectares before consumption or export business starts next year. Ronald Nguira is chief executive of Pixas Agriculture Limited, which operates a farm for the diversification of wheat seeds. Malawi imports 200,000 tons of wheat, $48 million. If we were to get there, it could take us four years to produce enough wheat in Malawi to satisfy ourselves. So the fields you see here might look insignificant, but this is the future of us becoming self-sufficient. If there is a roadmap, in five years we can be there. So 15,000 hectares will be ready to be planted this time next year. We did a test harvest yesterday, so you need about 100 kilos of seed per hectare to plant. President Lazarus Chakwera witnessed the harvest in Doha district, central region of Malawi, with a call to farmers to take advantage of the crop for import substitution. To produce the first wheat, wheat mega farm in Malawi, to demonstrate that this is a viable cash crop, and that seed multiplied and given to more farmers eventually we'll be able to support not just ourselves, but export that. The great thing about the four wheat varieties that we have pirated is that they have already been proven to be viable for mass production in every district of Malawi, including hot districts like Malacca and Chikawa, where other crops do not thrive. Malawi has for a long time depended on imported wheat, which has been disrupted by the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. However, with this wheat farming, an agricultural economist, Wisdom Gomezulu, lobbies for more research and investment towards wheat farming if Malawi is to generate more forex through wheat exports. If we can find markets, then I think it can be another source of uh, forex in the country. Because as you know, uh, wheat is one of those uh, high-value cash crops that uh, is highly demanded in the world. Let's look for more funds and more donor partners to finance agronomists and other scientists that are actually maybe uh, trying their best to uh, bleed 
varieties that can actually be grown here in Malawi. But for that to be done, we need more research, we need more investment, and, and maybe uh, get a share on the export market. The United Nations recent report says Malawi and other African countries take up 12.26% of grain imported from Ukraine. With Malawi's dependence on tobacco as the main foreign exchange earner, authorities want to look up to wheat in the next four years or so, hence cause that the crop be grown on mega farms and cooperative societies. Thanks, George Mango, for that report. Yes. Now, this Friday will mark one year since the end of the Tigray War, but peace still remains elusive. Tigray still battles from a humanitarian crisis and promises from the peace deal have not been fully implemented. In this report, narrated by DW's Bubajalo, we get to hear from those directly impacted by the war. Now, before the outbreak of the war between the Ethiopian federal government in Tigray, People's Liberation Front, TPLF, Haftom Kidai led an ordinary life. The 25-year-old young man had no military experience and never carried a gun before. Haftom was severely injured at the battlefront. Now half of his body is paralyzed and he lives in an army care center in Tigray's capital city, Mekele. I joined the struggle for my country, for my people, for myself. I don't regret the sacrifices I made. I did what I had to do. But now all of us here, including me, have become disabled. We have a lot of demands and needs. The main thing is that I want to get treatment. If I get proper treatment, I don't want anything else. Many Ethiopians share a similar fate like Haftom and suffered huge losses during the brutal war that began in November 2020. The Tigray war lasted for two years, causing massive death displacement of people from their residence and physical and psychological damage to millions of Tigrayans like young Haftom. After the peace deal, not only did the sound of gunfire stop, but also the siege that was imposed on Tigray was lifted. For some residents in Mekele city, not hearing gunfire, aircraft or drones has been a blessing. However, a year later, there are still many things that are troubling. Hagos Tesfaye was displaced and now lives in Arab district, a village bordering Eritrea. His district is under the control of the Eritrean army, he told DW. Since the signing of the peace agreement, services such as banks, telecoms and electricity, which were closed in most parts of Tigray, have been reopened. But in Europe, nothing has changed. Most of the Europe districts are still controlled by the Eritrean army. According to the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, OCHA, the humanitarian situation remains critical. The UN also warns of ongoing atrocities, including war crimes and crimes against humanity. Many in Tigray continue to demand the full implementation of the peace agreement. Redai Heleform, head of communication affairs of Tigray Interim Administration, requests the government to take responsibility for the withdrawal of the foreign forces in Tigray. We expect the federal government to get them out, all militants, out of the Ethiopian Defense Forces in Tigray. According to the agreement, we expect Amhara militants and Eritrean soldiers to go out of Tigray. 
Indeed, there are many expectations and it is up to the government to step up and restore the situation in Tigray. Uba Jalo with that report. Now, it's time for some sports news. Africa Link. Sport. Let's just have a recap on the Ballon d'Or Awards, Josie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lionel Messi won his... What? First. Well, that's after 14 years ago. That was when he won yes. his first, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he's got eight Ballon d'Ors. Yesterday was him winning his eighth. Impressive by all standards, Josie. Yeah, Eddie. But at times I feel these awards were created just for Messi and Ronaldo (laughs) as the prestigious men's awards has been dominated over the last 15 years by Messi and his old adversary Cristiano Ronaldo who have won it 13 times between them. Yep, Ronaldo won it five, Messi now eight. The thing is, there's so many things you can say about this. You can't hate on the achievement of Lionel Messi winning the Mm. World Cup in grand style. He was the best player of the World Cup. He was his team's best performer and he his goals were crucial enough to win his team. So yes, it was it was good enough. However, people are asking if you turned it around mm-hmm. and Messi was the one who scored those high number of goals that Erlen Haaland did for yeah. Manchester City winning the treble. That's a seriously historic period in any league to win the treble. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't it have been better to encourage Haaland, you know, to keep up with those strikes by awarding him the Ballon d'Or. That's what I thought yesterday. But anyway, I actually thought maybe Messi would have just said, you know what, I accept this, but I'm giving it Mm. back. You know, something like that. Just, you know. Anyway, let's go back to Mzansi. Mm -hmm. South Africa's rugby union team are back from France after winning the World Cup for a record fourth time. The players were met at O.R. Tambo International Airport in Johannesburg by a huge rapturous crowd. That's right. Springboks are the most successful team at the World Cup after winning four titles in eight appearances. Tuzo Kumalo has more. The O'Aratambo International Airport has been a hive of activity today with the South African rugby national team, the Springboks, jetting into the country, coming back to the country with the cup in hand after their win uh, in France. A lot of South Africans coming in. In fact, thousands of people filled up this airport uh, arena to welcome the team, to give them congratulations for what they've done and, of course, praising uh, the players for their result and for the fight that they gave in order for them to get uh, this World Cup back home. Quite an ecstatic moment by uh, South Africans here, uh, coming from different races, different ages, different tribes, even different nationalities, coming here together, cheering up the team. And of course, one element that the team has accomplished, not only to win, but they've also made the nation to rally together. They've made the nation to unite, and they are all uniting uh, behind the team. You, I'm very over, I'm very happy, you know. This is a gift and we are happy, happy because it came once. So we are here so that we rejoice and show the world that we are South Africans. You know, when the country is united, as we are, I mean, you see every color of South Africa, the, the soccer team, the rugby team, the cricket team, the tennis, the banana, the bafana, the bokes, everyone is here. You feel united, we feel our country. I don't want to lie. Um, this moment I had in, in, in this uh, airport over Tambo, I felt like our country united. You know, we are one. I'm here to say I'm born to play rugby and I'm forced to go to school. 
What is going to happen is that from Thursday onwards, the team is going to be driving across the country to showcase, to show the nation the cup that they've brought. And of course, to thank the nation for rallying behind it, to thank the government, to thank the sporting fraternity, and also give South Africans a closer look at this cup with the team brought from France. But as President Cyril Ramaphosa said in the nation's address yesterday, the win has not only been a mere win, but it has brought South Africans to unite and show the country that united they can do quite a lot of things. South Africa could be facing a lot of troubles at the moment, things that divide them. But Ramaphosa saying this particular win has brought the country together. It's a lesson that when the country is united, when everyone come together and do one thing, the country can achieve quite a lot quite an achievement by the Springboks and the nation coming out in their numbers to give praise to the team, to say thank you to the team for all that they've done. All said and done by the end of the day, South African are now feeling that they are the champions because their team is now the champion of champions. <laughs> I, can, I can sense the excitement in Tuzo Kumalo's voice uh, being from uh, South Africa. That was Tuzo Kumalo with that. Absolutely. I felt like I wished actually I was there at the airport to receive the Springboks. Now, a comment here from Mullen Samuchapi says, congratulations to the Springboks. Yeah, well, Cassandra Hendricks says, as someone who has no connection to South Africa, I'd like to say how grateful I am also for being able to watch such a superb team in action. I feel as though I know you all. And I can definitely mm. echo those sentiments. It was it was even crazy how they got to the finals, right? Beating England, was it? Uh, to get to the finals. It, 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 and it wasn't clear if they yeah. were going to make it, but yeah. the last minute they made it. Now, Ibrahim Mansarai says, this is the biggest bridge of unity. Beautiful indeed. Mm. Keep those comments coming to on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Thanks for your time. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I'm Josie Mahachi. DW. Made for Minds.